It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Joe Biden may be the next president of the United States of America, but at times it felt like it was his son who dominated Donald Trump's campaign. Well, election day is very close. The Trump campaign is still talking about a laptop allegedly belonging to Hunter Biden. The story focused on Hunter Biden's ties to a Ukrainian energy company. I think Hunter Biden is a disgrace. <laughs> Maybe lock her up goes to lock him up. We all know about Joe's son, Hunter Biden. A corrupt Ukrainian oligarch put Hunter on the board of his gas company. Were there dirty tricks at play? In an exclusive investigation, Stories of Our Times has spoken to a Ukrainian businessman who admits, for the first time, that he was asked to lie about Hunter Biden's business dealings. In return, he was promised an American visa and legal immunity. He asked me if I want to get my visa back and to be able to travel to the United States again. The deal was the deal was to lie. Donald Trump was impeached and acquitted over the Ukraine affair, but as these new allegations have come to light, calls are growing for a new legal investigation. I would hope to see some sort of peace and reconciliation commission bipartisan that would take a look at, at all the misdeeds and setting aside, you know, what kind of repercussions there would be, whether there would be a desire to pursue criminal charges, at least expose the misdeeds. One of the main witnesses in the impeachment of Donald Trump gives us his verdict. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today disinformation, and Hunter Biden. In the frenzied final month of the election, it became the leitmotif of President Trump's campaign. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's account. At the centre of it all was one man, the loudest cheerleader for the campaign against Hunter Biden, Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani the former mayor of New York, who scaled even dizzier heights of fame more recently when he made an infamous appearance in the Borat movie. China manufactured the virus and let it out. And they deliberately spread it all around the world. Less than three weeks before the election, Giuliani claimed he'd found the smoking gun. 
a laptop repair shop in Wilmington, Delaware, had given him access to a laptop Hunter Biden had left there a year ago. The owner of the shop did acknowledge that he was registered as blind and only believed it was Hunter Biden because the customer had introduced himself by that name. He wanted us to have this. He, he also thought it displayed numerous crimes. So he gave them to my lawyer. We have the entire hard drive. Like a door-to-door salesman, Rudy Giuliani toured newspapers and television channels, peddling his story. But most journalists felt something was amiss. Giuliani has admitted before to working with a known Russian agent to dig up dirt on the Bidens. This looks like your classic disinformation campaign. Eric O'Neill is a former FBI FBI operative. Steal the information with a cyber attack, get the emails from Hunter Biden's account, and then put them on these laptops that are left at a repair store, and that's how the information is now laundered into the public. Who do you think is behind this? Well, the Russians would be my number one guess. Lingering questions about the authenticity of the evidence led to social media companies taking an unprecedented step. Facebook and Twitter blocked the story, and other media outlets vowed not to cover it. This was National Public Radio, NPR's statement. October 22nd, 2020. We don't want to waste our time on stories that are not really stories. And we don't want to waste the listeners' and readers' time on stories that are just pure distractions. Terrence Samuels, NPR's managing editor for news. And social media platforms did the same. We are a little more than two weeks away from the U.S. election. This week, Twitter and Facebook under fire over decisions concerning the publication of a story by the New York Post. The newspaper published an exclusive based on emails and photos allegedly obtained from a laptop belonging to the son of Democratic candidate Joe Biden. President Trump was fuming. His already strained relationship with the mainstream media took a turn for the worse. He's a criminal. He got caught. Read his laptop. And you know who's a criminal? You're a criminal for not reporting it. You are a criminal for not reporting it. Let me tell you something. Joe Biden is a criminal and he's been a criminal for a long time. And you're a criminal in the media for not reporting it. Fox News' Tucker Carlson, a loyal Trump supporter, featured the story on his show. But, he claimed, his copy of the evidence had been lost in the post, further fueling the conspiracies surrounding the story. One of our producers in New York overnighted a package to our executive producer, Justin Wells, and to me in Los Angeles. We were there preparing for an interview with a former Biden family business partner called Tony Bobolinsky. Somewhere along the way, the contents of that package disappeared. Inside it was a flash drive that contained primary documents pertaining to the Biden family. But did it make a difference to voters? The Republican senator, Ted Cruz, claimed the story was having no impact on the electorate. You don't believe voters are moved by the Hunter Biden stuff? I don't think it moves a single voter. But for President Trump's supporters, it provided a rallying cry. Four years ago, They called Clinton Crooked Hillary and chanted, lock her up. Now, they turn their attention to Hunter Biden and what Donald Trump called the second biggest political scandal in our history. Joe Biden is and always has been a corrupt politician. He always has been. And as far as I'm concerned, 
The Biden family is a criminal enterprise. It really is. Look at what's going on. In many ways, the attacks on Hunter Biden in this election came as no surprise. For President Trump, the latest story about the laptop was the culmination of a two-year quest to dig up dirt about Hunter Biden's business dealings in the hope that it would undermine his father. It even led to President Trump's impeachment earlier this year. As you know, on December 18th, the House of Representatives upheld its constitutional duty and voted articles of impeachment against the President of the United States, Donald Trump. President Trump stood accused of an abuse of power. It was alleged that he told the Ukrainian president that he'd cancel military aid to the country unless they launched their own investigation into Hunter Biden's business links there. Committee will come to order. Mr. Chairman, ranking members, thank you for the opportunity to address the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence with respect to the activities relating to Ukraine and my role in the events under investigation. Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vintman was one of the main witnesses at the hearing. As a member of the U.S. National Security Council, specialising in Eurasian affairs, he was regularly on the call when President Trump would phone the Ukrainian president. You too were on the White House call, am I right? You heard it with your own ears. Correct. Not secondhand, not from somebody else, not hearsay, right? Correct. What Lieutenant Colonel Fintman heard alarmed him. You were actually on that phone call between President Trump and President Zelensky. Yes, I was. We went in there with the, the intent that this was going to be a way to kind of normalize the relationship, lift the hold on security assistance, and really kind of take that relationship in a new positive direction. But that's not how this call actually went. Lieutenant Colonel Vintman was shocked by what unfolded. After the president had demanded this investigation into the Bidens, I responded immediately, expressing my concerns to senior leadership and how this was inappropriate and uh, needed to be rectified. What was the moment that made you feel really alarmed about what was happening? There was a growing disquiet and concern, really all the way from about the March timeframe, where at the time it seemed there was a chance that this was kind of Ukrainian orchestrated, but it turned out that that was not the case. It was, you know, Giuliani was kind of was a driving force to, to get the Ukrainians to provide dirt. Really, it didn't become particularly acute until the end of June when uh, we first received directions to hold security assistance. Lieutenant Colonel Vintman complained to his superiors when he realized the conversations were seeking foreign interference in an American election by placing pressure on President Zelensky to launch an inquiry into the Bidens. And you heard him raise that subject again about investigating the Bidens, right? I did. And I want to ask you, when you heard him say that, what was the first thought that went through your mind? Frankly, I couldn't believe uh, what I was hearing. It was probably an element of shock. And you went immediately and you reported it, didn't you? I did. Why? Because that was my duty. For Vintman, sounding the alarm carried extra significance. You still have your opening statement handy? The American public deserves to hear it again. Dad, 
My sitting here today in the U.S. Capitol talking to our elected officials is proof that you made the right decision 40 years ago to leave the Soviet Union and come here to the United States of America in search of a better life for our family. Do not worry, I'll be fine for telling the truth. And why do you have confidence that you can do that and be tell your dad not to worry? Congressman, because this is America and here, right matters. Thank you, sir. Yield back. President Trump was acquitted after Republican senators, who far outnumbered the Democrats, loyally voted for him. But now we have that gorgeous word. I never thought a word would sound so good. It's called total acquittal. Total acquittal. After testifying against President Trump in the impeachment hearings, Lieutenant Colonel Fintman came under sustained Twitter fire from the president and was eventually forced out of his job. I certainly recognize that there were some costs associated with my complaint. There was retaliation and, and so forth, but I did not necessarily know that that was going to unfold publicly. What, what sort of retaliation? At that time, I frankly thought it might be isolated to my tenure at the White House, maybe being a bit naive and hopeful about how things could unfold for my military career. I uh, started to emerge as a, a public figure and uh, the various sides either elevating me as a hero or denouncing me as a villain and so forth and all sorts of really distasteful things like dual allegiances, spy and all that kind of stuff were, were being thrown around by even the, you know, the major networks. And the president, frankly, wouldn't let it go you know, as a subject of his direct criticism. He was suddenly tweeting about you, which yeah. is never was, fun. He was, well, it, was, it wasn't just tweeting about me. He was delivering threatening pronouncements, calling for investigations, calling me insubordinate, which would be obviously a, you know, something that could be punishable for a military officer that made me the target of even more attacks. What was that like for your family? I take things very differently than my wife. My, you know, my wife, um, she's in charge of safety. I'm in charge of fun, according to my daughter. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, so she, she felt this a lot more acutely. I've been to combat. I've served in, in all sorts of different stressful places. So I frankly probably was a little bit dismissive of, of some of these potential force protection, personal security type issues. My wife was not. We at one point almost moved on to a military installation, but instead chose to, to have increased police presence and so, so things of that nature around our house. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, That's, it was... It's a lot to live with. Yeah. I had conversations with very senior officers at the top of the, the military hierarchy, and they basically told me that I didn't have, uh, you know, I didn't have a career anymore. The president, by his actions, forced me out of the military. I mean, it was a campaign of, of bullying, intimidation, and retaliation by the president and his senior staff that made me continuing on the military untenable. You know, I looked at all the different possibilities and ultimately made the decision that, you know, that that's in fact the case and I've now moved on. The impeachment hearings were catastrophic for Lieutenant Colonel Vintman's career, but they did show the world how the president's team 
particularly his lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, had done deals whilst digging for dirt on Hunter Biden. Ahead of the hearings, Giuliani's associate, Lev Parnas, told MSNBC his version of what they'd been doing in Ukraine. I mean, it was all, at, at the end of the day, it, it was all, the agenda was to make sure that uh, the Ukrainians announced the Biden investigation. But in order to do that, Parnas said they'd contacted a highly controversial Ukrainian oligarch named Dmitry Firtash. He has a reputation for his links to the Kremlin, and ever since 2014, the US Department of Justice has been trying to have him extradited from Vienna to face charges of bribery and racketeering, and for his links, they say, to Russian organised crime. Mr. Firtash is a gentleman that just doesn't see anybody and it's, you know, uh, it's impossible to even get to meet with him. For us to be able to receive information from Firtash, we had to promise Firtash something. Mm -hmm. So for Firtash, it was basically telling him that we knew his case was uh, is worthless here and that he's being prosecuted for no reason it's, uh, it's, uh, that, and that basically it could get taken care of. That, uh, that was your uh, offer to Mr. Fairclash, correct, that correct. we can get this prosecution of you Your, your ex extradition case, correct. Yeah, so that was basically the situation uh, at that point. So the exchange with Mr. Firtash was going to be, you provide us information that will be detrimental to public perception of the Mueller investigation. Um, and we, in turn, will get your case dropped at DOJ, so you won't get extradited to the United States anymore. And That's how it began. These revelations were a bombshell. Parnas claimed that the Trump team was cutting deals with Firtash to quash his extradition order in return for evidence that would damage the Bidens. When I heard these allegations at the end of last year, they immediately rang alarm bells. A few months earlier, I'd been approached by a mini-oligarch, a very successful Ukrainian businessman and a good friend of Dmitry Firtash. Hello. Hi, Harris. It's Manzin. Hi. Yeah, hi, Manzin. Harris Yusuf, as the name implies, wasn't always a Ukrainian. I am... Uh... A Syrian boy <laughs> was born in Syria, and I had a dream to become an architect. When I finished the school, I get a place in the university, in the Institute of Damascus University. But Harris's uncle was a powerful politician in Syria, and in 1982, as was the fashion back then, he sent him to the Soviet Union to study engineering in a military school. It was for me disaster because from my uh, childhood I never liked to to be in military I didn't like the officers soldiers any kind of <laughs> military devices he didn't like the military but he did like kiev i came back to kiev because i had my first son he was born in kiev and i wanted to come back to kiev so i came back to study in the the University uh, of Economy. And later on, I did different kind of businesses to make some money. Harris Youssef was incredibly successful in industry. In the early 2000s, he became an advisor to the president of Ukraine and a very good friend, neighbour and associate of Dmitry Firtash. Frankly speaking, I can say that his arrest is purely political. 
they are making a story around him that he, it's a bribery, etc., etc. You know the story of Firtash. Knowing that I was an investigative journalist, Harris Youssef arranged to meet me for a coffee. By then, he'd spoken to a few journalists in different countries, and he told me what he'd told them, that Hunter Biden had been involved in a business deal with him in 2015, which had lost him millions of pounds. I said, OK, and by, by the way, uh, maybe, maybe we can also help if you have these such powerful guys in the United States, why, why we cannot help my friend Firtash in his case, because he's arrested in, in Vienna. Harris Youssef claimed that Hunter Biden had offered to introduce him to his father, Joe, who was vice president at the time. But he didn't have any evidence. I looked into it, but the story just didn't seem to add up. Now, in an exclusive interview with Stories of Our Times, Harris Youssef admits it was all untrue. He had been told to lie about Hunter Biden. We'll have more on this story in just a moment, but if you want to access more original investigations, you might want to subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times. If you join today, you'll get one month free. Search online for thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. We'll come back to Harris Youssef in just a moment. But why was the Trump team so keen to look for dirt in Ukraine? What do we know about Hunter Biden and his business dealings with the Ukrainians? Well, whilst his father Joe was vice president, Hunter Biden joined the board of a Ukrainian natural gas company, Burisma. He was paid more than $50,000 a month for consulting, even though he had no prior experience in the energy industry. He defended his appointment in an interview with ABC News in October 2019. I was vice chairman of the board of Amtrak for five years. I was the chairman of the board of the UN World Food Program. I was a lawyer for Boyce, Schiller, Flexner, one of the most prestigious law firms in the world. Bottom line is that I know that I was completely qualified to be on the board to head up the corporate governance and transparency. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. Whilst it certainly has its uses, at times, Hunter Biden has seemed burdened by his last name. Having survived a car crash that killed his mother and sister whilst he was only two years old, he never seemed to have the confidence or ease of his older brother, Beau, who was much more likely to follow in the footsteps of their father. Instead, Hunter Biden struggled with alcohol and drug abuse. Then, in 2015, his brother Beau died. His private life was in torment. 
But professionally, did he make a mistake joining the board of Burisma? I guess Hunter Biden probably bears some fault in exercising some poor judgment. But that doesn't necessarily equate to corruption or either unlawful actions on his part or corruption on the part of his father. That's Lieutenant Colonel Vintman again on a rather bad line. That happens way too often in probably all political systems where the, the offspring of powerful see an opportunity to kind of, you know, cash in and so forth. It happens uh, way too often with this current administration in which the, uh, the Trump family has enriched itself. I, I would just fall back on my assessment, which I have no reason to disavow, that there was no evidence at any point of the fact that, you know, Hunter Biden did anything beyond show poor judgment. Uh, he didn't do anything criminal. So whilst joining the board of Burisma does show bad judgment, there is, so far, no evidence of anything illegal in that deal. But for the Trump campaign, it presented an opportunity. How far were they willing to go to damage the Biden campaign? One man who has an answer is Harris Youssef. After the story he told me last year, I wanted to know if he'd ever even met Hunter Biden. No, no, never. Never? Never had any contact with him? No, 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 never, never, zero. When we first met last summer, you you were telling me some stories about Hunter Biden and, you know, his business dealings and, you know, offering access to his father. Where did those stories come from? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Did anybody ever ask you to spread stories about Hunter Biden? Yes, I had somebody from the team of Firtash. He asked me if I want to to get my visa back and to be able to travel to the United States again after, you know, that they revoked my visa. The deal Lev Parnas had described offered the oligarch, Dmitry Firtash, a chance to end the extradition proceedings against him by providing dirt on Hunter Biden. Harris Youssef is a good friend of Fertash, and he wanted to help. But he also had legal troubles of his own. He was arrested in Vienna in 2017, and Spain had tried to extradite him on a charge of money laundering for his old friend Fertash. Harris Youssef denies these charges. When the order of arrest arrived, so at the same time, the United States embassy in Kiev, they informed me that my visa was revoked. In the same week, I get the order of extradition from Spain. The Spanish legal case against Yusuf was dropped at the end of last year. But before then, particularly during the summer when we met and when he was spreading stories about Hunter Biden, he'd been desperate to get his visa back. Anyhow, he, he, he said to me, we could solve this relationship with Americans and etc. if you if you can help us. So how could Yusuf be of any help to the Fertash team? How did he come to claim, to me, that Hunter Biden had been involved in a corrupt deal with him and promised him access to his father Joe, the Vice President of the United States? Well, it all began in... It was in 2015. Harris Youssef wanted to set up a virtual currency backed by gold called Golden Hearts. An American who worked for Fertash introduced Yusuf to a tech startup fund called M. Bloom, who he said would help. 
He told Yusuf that he could introduce you to very powerful guys from the United States and they can help you a lot with this foundation. With this uh, currency, you can create this project, you can get the support, you can, you can do a lot of things. So I was so interested in that. Harris Yusuf invested just under $3 million in M. Bloom. The fund was backed by Hunter Biden's former business partner, Devon Archer, through a company that they had both run together. But Hunter Biden had left long before Yusuf invested. I don't think that he has any relationship. I, I know that Devon Archer has. Devon Archer was Hunter Biden's business partner before. Yes, he was. He told me that he was his, his partner and he was telling us the, the strong relationship between him and Hunter. The details of M. Bloom's investments were always obscure. Harris Yusuf thought his investment would be spent on plans for a virtual currency. The managers of M. Bloom, however, used the fund to invest in their own startups. M. Bloom actually went bust in 2016, taking Harris Yusuf's money with it. It folded after Devon Archer, Hunter Biden's former business partner, was accused of fraud in a separate and completely unrelated case. Archer was arrested and cases around all these businesses. I understood that the money, or maybe how to say the investment, was a stupid, stupid decision. How much have you had back? I invested 2.9 million. I get back like 700, around 700. So until now, he still owe me around 2 million. With that debt still outstanding and a very distant link to Hunter Biden, some of the people who were looking for dirt on Biden spotted an opportunity. One person, uh, his uh, um, link with the, with the lawyers of Dimitri, it was his idea like you can win something from this uh, if you want. With, we know that you did this investment with Emblum and Emblum we can... We can like uh, prove somehow or maybe try to to tell the story that it was investment link with, with Hunter Biden. But I said it's not linked with Hunter Biden. The offer from Furtash's team, who were in close contact with Rudy Giuliani's team, grew even more tempting. You, you can be... Um, uh, can solve the problem in the United States, you can solve the problem of your visa, you can get uh, even immunity. So the offer wasn't just for a visa, but also for legal immunity, if Harris Yusuf agreed. If you said, and if you, if we use, or you can use your investment, in this case, so I said uh, it was absolutely impossible because even even the documents I had signed with this investment and with the return of investment can be appear anywhere and it's, it will, how to say, will broke all this story. So it's, it's not true. How would they have got your visa back if you had come, if if you had come forward and and said that Hunter Biden was in, involved in that business which he wasn't? Look, the deal was to lie. In case you missed that, the deal was to lie. The deal was to lie. And if you, if you lied, how would they have got your visa back? I don't know. They are so, such powerful guys. I don't know. They can arrange that. But you know, I didn't like this idea. I didn't like the deal. So I, I said, no, I, I, I don't want to, to be involved in, the, in this, this case. 
Harris Youssef says Firtash himself never asked him to lie about Hunter Biden, and he can't be sure if Firtash knew what his team were suggesting. But the offer from his team, who were in close contact with Rudy Giuliani's team, grew more and more tempting. We put these new allegations to Dmitry Firtash's team. They responded by reiterating Mr Firtash's earlier denials, saying he didn't collect any information, he didn't finance anyone who would collect information, and it would be a big mistake if he tried to get involved in such a fight. We put the allegations to Mr Giuliani and to the Trump campaign too, but they declined to comment. For Lieutenant Colonel Vintman, though, these new allegations are completely plausible. This was all consistent with what I was tracking, what government officials were tracking as a means to give the president an advantage going into these elections that we just had. Although these allegations are new, they provide further evidence of the networks that were at play. So this uh, enterprise where Giuliani's network of close contacts were basically cooperating with Firtash's staff has now been kind of relatively well established between Giuliani and potentially other folks in the Trump administration and Firtash to identify compromising material on Hunter Biden and implicate Joe Biden. Now, Lieutenant Colonel Vintman believes a fresh legal investigation is needed. I think that it's very likely that there will be something, but it won't be at the federal level because there are a lot of different investigations that are going on at the state level. And maybe that'll be a driver for for federal action, but it's hard to say. But I think the states are going to move forward regardless, especially places like New York that have you know numerous lines of inquiry into the president, into Mr. Giuliani, into all sorts of different actors. So something is going to happen somewhere. In one way, it's 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 probably good that it plays out in in a kind of nonpartisan judiciary legal framework. But Lieutenant Colonel Vintman is hoping the new Biden administration, when it takes office, will go even further. I would have thought greater merit towards some sort of peace and reconciliation commission, bipartisan, that would take a look at, at all the misdeeds and setting aside, you know, what kind of repercussions that would be, whether there would be a desire to pursue criminal charges, at least expose the misdeeds. Lieutenant Colonel Vintman is hoping for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission, but he realises that just bringing the country together again will be a challenge. You know, there's countless misdeeds uh, of this sort. I would have to really seriously consider where to begin. America will have to decide soon enough. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Lieutenant Colonel Alex Vintman and the Ukrainian businessman, Harris Youssef. The producers today were James Shield and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer is Poppy Damon, and sound design was by Nicola Rolfast. If you can, please do leave us a review. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and the Times Radio app. We'll be back tomorrow. Do have a listen.
Subscribe today and get one month free at thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times and it brings together the real life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.